Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the School Bites podcast. I'm Alex, a digital Jedi here at Interactive Schools. It's a bit of a different one this week. With the outbreak of COVID-19, the Interactive School staff are all working remotely, so we're having to wave goodbye to our podcast studio temporarily. However, to make up for it, we do have a special guest on this week's episode. Please welcome Brendan Schneider joining us from over in the US. Brendan, so how is everything over there? It's good. We're on, um, you know, what, what do they call it? I'm calling it lockdown, but, um, you know, we're trying to stay at home, which is uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, it's, I think, the closest, at least I hope it's the closest that we'll get to the zombie apocalypse in my life. But it's, it's, it's very odd. I don't know. How about you guys? Yeah, I mean, this is our second day now working remotely. Um, really, the thing that's been kind of challenging is getting schools to still share their school stories, but from home. Um, or from remote, remote um, working locations. Yeah, I mean, a great example came out today. One of our schools over in the Netherlands was sharing their virtual lesson on on Twitter as well. Um, you know, it's really great to see schools still still pushing through, even working from working virtually. Yeah, cool. Um, so just just for our listeners, obviously back here in the UK and abroad that maybe don't know about you, could you tell us a little bit about um, about yourself and about your company? Sure. My name is Brendan Schneider, and I'm the director of advancement at Swickley Academy, which is a pre-K through 12 day school located in uh, Swickley, Pennsylvania, which is about 12 miles northwest of the city of Pittsburgh. Um, I also run a blog called SchneiderB.com, where I talk about marketing and communications and admissions for people in schools. Perfect. Thank you. I must say we are big fans of your blog as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's nice to hear. Thanks. Perfect. So um, obviously we're in unprecedented times right now. So I just wanted to really to get your thoughts about how, how is everybody coping over there with the COVID-19 outbreak? It's, it's pretty unbelievable, uh, Alex. We, we, um, we're currently on a scheduled spring break. So we had two weeks off, which was planned. Uh, but that time spent during spring break, you know, we're on a, I don't know what they call it, social distancing, quarantine, lockdown. And uh, we're trying to do our part, and my family and I are—we uh, have two children, and my wife and I—and we're staying home. So we're we're kind of on we're on break, but in this weird stay-at-home thing, and thinking about what that means after break when we go into two weeks of virtual school, at the very least. Yeah, and and it would be interesting to get your thoughts really around how you see this affecting maybe the admissions process coming up as well. It's, oh, that's such a big question. And the fun, or maybe not fun part about this whole thing is that it seems to be changing by the hour. Um, and I think, uh, again, this isn't my <laughs> idea, but it, it, it seems that the, the, in some cases, panic and in some cases, just uneasiness are from the lack of data, the lack of knowledge. And I think we're just learning more and more every hour and it changes. And, and before we went out on break, so Monday of this week was our first day. Uh, we had conversations last week trying to figure out what it looks like to work remotely, trying to figure out what the admission season will look like, trying to figure out if we extend our virtual school two weeks. So rather than you know being out four weeks, which includes our break, what if we're out six weeks or eight weeks? Or what if we don't go back to school? Um, how does that affect enrollment, uh, admissions? And we have some plans. Um, I'm sure we're going to change them six times, if, if not more, as the season goes. But um, it, it's just a lot of unknown. And I think that's what's causing a lot of anxiety in people. 
Definitely. That's definitely a great point. Do you, do you kind of see there being um, any ways that schools could maybe still engage with prospective parents in, in maybe the digital world? You know, something like a virtual tour or, you know, calls with admissions officers? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, those are the low-hanging fruit, which are <clears throat> calls, conversations with people. Um, and, I mean, that will still happen. Uh, emails with people will still happen. The struggle for us becomes... You know, a required part of our process is a, is a, a shadow day, which would, for us, just so we're level setting here, uh, a child would come to school for the day, spend eight to three, basically, um, you know, kick the tires and see what goes on. Well, that really can't happen <laughs> if you don't have school. So um, during that time is also the tour. So to kind of dovetail what you were talking about, Alex, yeah, virtual tour is um, absolutely on the horizon, um, but Again, I think the bigger struggle that I'm thinking about and the real unknown for me is that are people really going to want to be thinking about a new school? So it's not really about our technology or what we can provide or offer families, but more getting our prospective families, you know, people that were thinking about it or not thinking about it. Um, you know, how do we get them to at least consider our school? Because they're going to be inundated with things like, you know, they're basically homeschooling their children now. Um, you know, if both parents work, how do they take care of daycare or take care of their children? And even simple things like, how do I get food? Um, you know, restaurants and bars were just announced in Pennsylvania to close. Uh, grocery stores are still open. So uh, what if a family's not used to cooking? <laughs> you know, how, how do they take care of these basic things? Um, I don't know about in the UK, but there was a big run on toilet paper here, which I don't get, but... <laughs> How, you know, how do we, how do we find toilet paper? So, you know, how do we get people to get out of that, for lack of a better phrase, and not to be too sensational, survival mode and get them to think about, oh, yeah, I was thinking about switching schools. That's actually my bigger fear. And I don't really have a great answer for that right now. Yeah, I mean, exactly the same here back in the UK. I mean, lots of people have gone into survival mode, as you've said. You know, you yeah. go into any supermarket here, there's no toilet roll, there's no pasta, <laughs> there's no rice. A anything people can stock up on, they're stocking up on. Yeah. Um, so do you have any kind of tips for working from home for maybe for a school marketer? Well, <clears throat> we're we're making this up as we go because, you know, schools, and I've been in schools my whole life. Uh, and the one thing about school, there's so many benefits to working at a school, but the, the one thing that, you know, maybe is not a benefit is that, you know, I need to be there every day, eight to four. Um, so I've always been in school, tie and jacket every day, eight to four. So working from home is going to be something that is, um, you know, kind of a fun challenge, I suppose. I mean, one of the things that we do that I've tried to institute with my team, we use a, uh, a tool. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a geek out, so I don't know if you know that about me. And I love tools and love experimenting. But the tool that we use is called knowyourteam.com. And um, it, I use it with my office staff that are in person, um, but it's really designed for remote teams. And what it does is that it allows you to connect, um, I guess, virtually would be the word, but even though we're in person, because even if we're in the office, you know, we're in different offices, different parts of campus, don't always see everybody every day. So this was a, a way for us to stay on the same page. Um, and what it does, there's a couple different features, and I don't want to make this a commercial about this tool, but it, it's really been helpful. And what it does, every Monday, it sends out a question, what are you working on this week? And then everybody answers. And then on Tuesday, it sends a digest to the team so everybody can see what everybody else is working on. 
It also sends out social questions, which we're going to use while we're in a virtual situation. You know, per, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> just, just to get people thinking about things, get to allow people to connect. Um, and there's also, you know, meteor questions that help with leadership, things like that. But I don't know how much we'll get into that as we're just trying to work through it. The other thing we're going to do is, is I have a system of we meet as an office uh, every other week. And then sandwiched in between those two big meetings are individual staff meetings. So rather than doing those like that big group meeting every other week, and then we have an, I have an individual meeting with every member of my team every other week, basically, I'll just do that every week through Zoom. And it's just an opportunity to connect and um, touch base. And, and hopefully, you know, as we are still in this quarantine, uh, just talk to people and have that human connection, which in schools we're so used to, and it's going to go away for a little bit of time. So that's some of the stuff that we're doing. I think kind of the human connection that you, you touched on there is one of the, the biggest things that's missing um, working virtually. I mean, um, you know, you kind of need to keep up the normality, don't you? I mean, in terms of things like we call it here in the UK office banter, <laughs> which yeah. is where just, just joking about with your your teammates. All of that is is a part of the role that, that is really important to keep up even when working remotely. Um, you know, in terms of what we've done as a company as well, planning and workshops, all of that still needs to take place. Um, so that's just kind of moved from the meeting room to to the virtual meeting room. Um, and it's going to be really kind of exciting to see how people adapt to that and how they how they change their ways going forward. Um, just another question I really like to put to you, kind of the final question around coronavirus, because I know we can talk about it forever these days. Um, just thinking about UK schools, so UK schools are not officially closed at the moment. Would you recommend any kind of online forums where people can start preparing or start thinking about what they could do um, if they do have to work remotely? Yeah, that, that's a good question because the stuff that I've seen for schools has primarily been, and deservedly so, geared towards classroom instruction in a virtual environment. Um, <clears throat> as we were chatting before the call, Alex, you know, we've had what we call virtual school plans for, geez, three, four, five years now. Um, and they're really designed around weather. You know, if we had extended snow absence, snow days, um, you know, what can we do to keep the kids engaged? And that's worked fine to just to fill in there. But we really haven't used it for an extended period of time. So to get back more to your question, the stuff I've seen has been about instruction. Um, I haven't seen a ton of stuff about, um, uh, you know, the marketing office, communications office, admission office working remotely because in schools, it, it's such a foreign thing. So the thing that I would say is go to your associations. You know, if you have, a, you know, admission association, marketing communications association um there are facebook groups i know you know not to plug it but i have a facebook group and there are a number of school marketers in there and there's been talk about coronavirus and um you know what people are doing uh i I don't really have a great answer because it's all moving so quickly but i i would probably start with associations that you're with because i know that they're spending time thinking about that because they have you know, those associations aren't really worried about virtual instruction. They're worried about their members. So I think a lot's going to come out of there. Perfect. Okay. Um, so we recently published a blog at the end of 2019 about trends for 2020 and kind of topics to watch out for in school marketing. And um, one of the big ones that we mentioned was a shift towards Generation Alpha. You know, schools are currently targeting millennials, Generation Z more and more. It, it does make sense. I mean, they are the ones who are the parents. Um, but right behind them is Generation Alpha. For those of you who don't know, this is a generation born starting in 2010. Um, the oldest of this generation is actually no older than 10. But can you already kind of see 
ways that schools are starting to market towards these people? Um, can we spot how they may differ from their parents? And, and what does this mean for schools? Now, as a day school, um, we're typically thinking about marketing to parents. Now, if I was in a boring environment, that might be a little bit different. So we're still focusing on parents. However, uh, I see some changes coming. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, I have, I have two kids. One was born in 03 and he's 16. And I have a daughter who was born in 2010 who's nine. So I look at how she use it, uses and utilizes technology, her absolute comfort level with that. Um, so I think it's very easy to say, and we see it now, is the shift to mobile. But the bigger thing I see is shift to voice. And, and how that plays out, I'm not really sure. But it, just this morning as I was uh, you know, having a cup of coffee before we got on this call, I saw my daughter using an iPad. And, and uh, it was, she, we have it set up. She, was, she texts uh, my wife and I just in the house. <laughs> it's her fun thing. And um, she was texting us by using voice. She doesn't type. And, and I thought, geez, why don't I do that? It seems so much easier. <laughs> but um, I think in terms of our marketing, uh, again, everything's going to be mobile and what those devices are, we're not really sure. Um, and then, you know, how do we utilize voice? How do we utilize things like Alexa or, you know, Google Assistant um, to market our schools? And I think that's what we're going to have to figure out in the next few years. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we've seen a lot of that. Um, school websites moving more towards kind of voice activated, you know, looking at Alexa apps, as you mentioned, you know, we, we worked on an Alexa app that was the kind of thing that you'd ask it was, what time is my son's hockey match? And Alexa would come back and say, your son's hockey match is at 9am. 9, 9 um, so yeah, as you say, you know, there has kind of been this shift towards voice, which is really interesting to see and to see how that's going to develop, especially in the school marketing side and school websites as well. I also wonder too, um, when does something like a mouse get replaced um when are we using voice to navigate web pages uh or websites that that i gotta believe that that's going to come pretty fun to think about or maybe pretty scary to think about depending on which side you're on but it'll be interesting to see great point yeah and i mean lots of lots of websites have moved towards kind of the one-handed use um you know yeah. apps these days people don't use two hands when they're using it on their mobile phone you know the majority of users now are on a mobile so really, we have to adapt to them. Whether that moves towards voice, something we have to be prepared for. Um, so talking about snackable videos next up. So, so there's kind of been this trend towards snackable videos, you know, these short 10 second videos. You know, if you think of a platform such as Twitter, where you can post a video of up to 140 seconds, but is there really a point of posting a video of up to 140 seconds if, you know, the younger generations just want that 10 seconds, something to engage them. And then if they're interested, maybe then they'll read the text. Um, so in terms of how schools can make use of shorter videos, but keeping them engaging at the same time, what kind of are your thoughts around that? Yeah, this is going to be fun to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, my first reaction to this question was, um, I think it's important for schools to experiment and see what works and what doesn't work um, in terms of length, in terms of content, in terms of tone. Um, you know, again, not, not that it all goes back to my kids, but just looking back at you know, I'm, I always think through the lens of an inbound marketer. So the first step in that is always your your persona, your customer avatar. <laughs> so so if I'm thinking about the, you know, am I attracting parents or am I attracting kids? And and I look at my son who's 16 and I see him watch videos. If the video is good, he'll watch it for a while. If he's engaged or it's engaging for him, he'll stay on the video for a while. But he has no patience if it's not. 
so I think as long as we're creating things that are um, engaging to our prospective audience, I think we'll be okay. Um, you know, one of the things that we've done at Swickley Academy is uh, we're creating, uh, for all intents and purposes, commercials. And, and we do a 15 second and a 30 second. And we use those as digital assets for YouTube. Um, we use these as commercials on television that are targeted through, through a cable provider. But it's great to have those assets that are short but we're still going to create kind of a longer school video. Well, longer is a relative term. You think of 10, 15, 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, you know, a school video might be eight to 10 minutes long. Nobody's doing that. Uh, but, you know, if you can do two, three, four minutes that's really engaging and snappy, um, I think you could be okay. But again, I think it's important to experiment. The other trend that I see, or potentially I see video going, is to have those videos mimic videos like FaceTime or Facebook Live, even though it's not live or like FaceTime. I mean, I see those, again, if, if we're talking about kids, that's how they communicate. Um, again, go, just going back to my daughter who's 10, you know, she's been FaceTiming her friends because of this isolation, and she's been on for a long time, and they chat and have fun, and she set the phone up, and they're actually working interactively now. <laughs> Uh, to do things together, color together, or write a book together. Um, so I think that if our videos mimic that and seem more like that, it'll be more engaging or more familiar. So we might get a little more forgiveness from those younger audiences as they look at our videos. Yeah, and I, and I mean, kind of the key word to use there is familiar. If we're thinking as well with this remote learning that we currently have, do you think this is kind of more of a more difficult to adapt for the older generation or for the younger generation? I mean, you mentioned your daughter there who's who's always, you know, in contact with her friends on, on FaceTime, for example. Yeah. Is it that much of a shift for them? Is it more for us than it is for them? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I <clears throat> that's where I, I'm excited about to see what happens in virtual school. I think it'll be definitely harder for, you know, old people. And I do put myself in that category, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I'm a geek and I've grown up with tech and always been comfortable, but I've seen some of my colleagues who, that, that, I mean, these are really smart people, Alex, who just don't, it just doesn't click for them. You know, they just don't quite get it. And, and it takes them out of their comfort zone where kids are, you know, the use of technology is like breathing air and they don't think about it as technology. It's just what it is. So I think, um, virtual school, these virtual learning environments are going to be harder for the the teachers than the children. And then I think that's going to play into marketing because not to go back to COVID-19, but, but I think this is really going to change lots of things, you know, because people are going to be forced to innovate and create new, just new things. I'm using air quotes there. Um, and then what will happen is, is that we'll see those things that are good and we'll keep them. So th the problem is, is I don't know what those things are. Um, I'm not really sure anybody does, but it's going to be fun to watch. It certainly is. Um, I'm excited to see how it develops, actually. Um, so let's move on to, to advertising a little bit. So it's no secret that last year, digital advertising finally overtook traditional advertising for the first time. Yeah. Um, but what would you say is kind of the, the secret source, shall we say, for a school to get it right? You know, if, if they're completely new to digital advertising, what would be your advice before they, they jump in the first time? Yeah, that's a, this is a really, it's an important, it's not only a good question, it's an important question. And, and uh, I don't mean to be Cavalier when I say this, but I think the biggest thing a school can do is hire help. <laughs> um, I think the days of just experimenting and playing, I, well, I think that's important. I think if you're going to start to put serious dollars behind it, um, it, it, I think the question that you have to ask yourself as a school is, 
do I have the internal knowledge to do this? And if the answer is yes, great, let that person run with it. If the answer is no, hire help. Because um, it's getting uh, harder and harder on these platforms. Schools should do it for sure. I'm not trying to scare anybody away. But it's just getting harder, and you can waste a lot of money quickly. So hire help. Uh, allow somebody to be a partner with you and do that. I think the other important thing is it's important to set goals and have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish so ultimately you can measure you know, the effectiveness. And then I think it's also important to tie those goals back to real admission numbers. So, for example, <laughs> I've, I've told this story before, but my head of school who has been great and puts up with all my craziness you know, we were having a conversation about social media. This was years ago and, and Facebook likes and, and he stopped. He goes, Brendan, I, I really don't care how many Facebook likes we have. He goes, here's what matters. Admission inquiries, admission applications, and for us, admission visits. So, so you know, again, we're friends. He was busting my chops, but he's like, I, I don't care how many Facebook likes we have. Just tell me how that relates to inquiries, applications, and visits. So I think schools need to tie those numbers together and be watching both of those things um as they jump into digital exactly um i mean one of the biggest things lots of schools who who have kind of tried this come to us and say is you know we've got all of these impressions we've got all of this reach all of these link clicks but what does it actually mean you know it, it's just meaningless engagement a lot of the time um as you say you know it's, it's where do they go from there do they then navigate through the website do they go on your admissions page do they look at your fees and do they ultimately sign up you know, yeah. if, they've, if they've then signed up, where do they go? Do they come to your open day? Do they look around and then do they come to the school? Um, I mean, there's, there's so many drop-off points during the way. You know, where does it get you to in the end, as you say? Um, and I think a lot of this is kind of a learning process, but it can be a very costly learning process as well. I mean, if you're a school, sometimes, you know, you have, you have to give it a go. You have to give um, digital campaigns a go and, and see how it goes. You know, a lot of the time, kind of your first, second, third campaign may may not even go that well. So I'd say it's definitely worth reaching out to a partner, reaching out to a company as well to help you out on that. But we're a company that work with 196 schools around the world. We work with schools on digital campaigns. And one of the biggest questions is, I just don't get the platform. You know, I, I understand marketing, I understand how this all ties into it, but I don't understand this question, A and B testing, split testing, all of these things where, where people get confused. So as you say, you know, it is definitely worth reaching out to somebody to learn, um, otherwise it is a very costly process. Again, go back to that first question. Do we have somebody in-house that can do this? If you don't, get help. It's really that simple. People are getting sophisticated. These platforms are getting very sophisticated. Um, and I think schools just need to understand that when they jump into you know, Google and Facebook advertising, that they're gonna have to build in the cost of management. Couldn't agree more. Um, and, and kind of, you know, we have this duopoly currently of Facebook and Google who are currently the top yeah. advertisers but but you know we've seen platforms such as snapchat amazon really moving forward with this tiktok a huge one in terms of digital advertising um do you think schools should should start investing more money in these platforms or should they stay with the the facebook's and the google's yeah i think the the answer to that question i go back to who are you trying to attract and who's your audience and for us the way we answer it is that our audience is uh we're trying to attract parents and our parents uh, are on Facebook and Google. And, and you know, it's important for schools to understand that those are very different platforms, but both very effective in their own, own way. Um, if I was a boarding school, like a, you know, high school age children, um, I might start to experiment with those other platforms. But just for us right now, it, it's Facebook and Google. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of an interesting time thinking about who, who you're 
exactly as you said who are you marketing to you know the younger generations will be looking more towards the instagrams the snapchats yeah. the tiktoks um but essentially still it is marketing towards the parents um but we could see a shift in that and it's definitely something to to bear in mind when when you know setting up your digital ads especially um so we kind of ran a poll recently as well asking people which platform they'd like to use um use a little bit more of in in 2020 instagram came out on top is that a surprise for you no, it's not a surprise. Um, I'm not surprised. I'm just, I find it very challenging for marketers to use Instagram. And I think, I'm, I'm getting a little tongue-tied here, Alex. It, it's it's not surprising because Instagram is the hot new thing. I mean, it's fantastic. I love it. It's a great place to go. Uh, I just struggle, you know, the, the platform from a marketing perspective, the trouble is it's hard to convert. Um, it's hard to convert a person from an anonymous visitor into a prospective family, meaning I, I want your email address. Uh, now, the way to do that on Instagram is by spending money. Um, and again, whether you're using stories or just the feed, this is where you're going to need help. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's probably because Instagram is so popular, people want to find out. But I, I guess I just caution marketers to really think about it. Again, think about who you're trying to attract. You know, you're, I mean, again, we go down the rabbit hole, but as I think about inbound marketing, think about all those things before you jump in. But, you know, experiment, have fun. It is pretty fun. It really is fun. And, and I mean, we've seen lots of schools moving towards the highlight sections, especially, um, yeah. you know, stories and highlights are generally the first thing somebody clicks on when they go on Instagram, you know, but, but keeping the feed highly visual. And a lot of the time, I mean, Instagram can be kind of meaningless engagement. You know, people tend to scroll through, double tap and move on. It means nothing. But then we kind of have to separate our engagement from content as well, thinking, is it just worth getting the school content out there so people know about the school, people can see our beautiful facilities, for example? Or is it really about the engagement? Are we really interested in how many people are double tapping on our photo? So in terms of kind of ways of wrapping this up, what would be your biggest marketing trends to keep an eye on this year? Well, boy, that's it's a big question, and, and the reason I pause, Alex, is is our earlier conversation about COVID nineteen. You know, things I was thinking about for us, which really, maybe this is too you know too personal or not, but our focus is on data. It always is, but we're we're really trying to focus on data and make data driven decisions. And unfortunately for me, and I've written about this in the past, because you know we don't have a huge staff, we're doing a lot. Schools are typical that they add things to people's plates, but they don't remove things. So you're just doing more and more and more with less, less and less potentially um, to take time. The importance of it is is super important, but to take time and sit down and look at our data, look at our analytics and figure out what's working and what's not um, is a challenge. And it's a focus uh, for us really forever. And we're just trying to do better with that. But with with COVID-19, taking time out of my schedule, I think that that um, still will remain a, a focus, but it's just this unknown. And I think it's important to be nimble um, and to be able to react. So as we talked about earlier, you know, are we going to have to set up virtual tours? Are we going to do, you know, again, because they don't want people to congregate together, are we going to set up a Facebook Live tour? So email our current prospective family pool and say, hey, look, we're going to do a Facebook Live campus tour. Um, we're going to have walk around school. It's going to take, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. It's going to be different, but we're going to give it a try and we'll show you campus. You know, it's going to be weird because as we talk about all the time, campus isn't about buildings. It's about the people, but the people aren't there. But, you know, we're going to do the best we can. So 
I'm just talking around and around because I just don't know. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it is an impossible question to answer at the moment. Um, as I said earlier, you know, these are times that we've never been through before. Um, so how do we know how that's going to help? You know, we can't say to schools they should be preparing this, they should be preparing that because we simply don't know what's going to happen. But as you say, you know, everything has to be informed by data. I mean, us as a company, our kind of motto is informed by data, transformed by tech and led by humans. But you'll, you'll notice at the start of that data informs everything. You know, we wouldn't make a decision on social media, on, on website setup, anything at all without the data there. So I think, as you say, you know, in 2020, that's still going to have a huge role and an even bigger role. You know, people are finally taking note that data is important. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much to Brendan for joining us on this week's School Bites podcast. It's been brilliant to get your insights. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, Alex, this has been great. Thank you for having me on this podcast. And I look forward to hearing your future guests. And uh, maybe we can connect later uh, as we have more data about COVID-19 and see what's happened. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. Is there anywhere that, that people can read about you if they'd like to find out more? Yeah, thank you. I think the best place is, is my blog. Everything is there. So it's just schneiderb.com. Perfect. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you. Cheers. Have a nice day. You too. So that's actually all we have time for today. Keep an eye on our online Schoolbytes blog as we also share out our tips and easy digital guides. To check out our blog, just visit blog.interactiveschools.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our Schoolbytes email newsletter for your weekly dose of school marketing tips straight to your inbox.